0: Hello everybody and welcome back to From the Front Row. Today's episode is about Night Slice, an initiative at the University of Iowa aiming to curb sexual assault and provide alternative nightlife options for the University of Iowa student. And this is a great episode showcasing a unique program in the Iowa City community. I'm Lauren Lavin, and I'm joined by my co-host, Jada McDonald. And if you're new here, welcome. We're a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they're relevant to anyone both in and outside the field of public health. Thank you guys so much for joining us today. To start off the podcast, we would love it if our guests could introduce themselves.
1: Hi, I'm Nina Morrison, and I am a... Playwright and director trained at the grad school here at the university. And I'm also the instructor for the Iowa Link program.
2: My name is Sumi Subramani, and I am the operations coordinator at RAC, the Women's Resource and Action Center, and I'm also a direct services advocate at the rape victim advocacy program. So I've been involved with sexual assault advocacy for around three years and yeah, thanks so much for having us. Well, we're so happy that you guys agreed to join us, and we're
3: excited to learn more about Night Slice. Awesome. if you guys want to just go ahead and start by telling us what Night Slice is.
1: Yeah, it's um, pretty simple. Uh, it is offering free slices of pizza to students with ID. On Friday and Saturday nights from midnight to 3 a.m., Night Slice is provided and hosted by Unimpaired Dry Bar, which is an alcohol-free bar. And they are, because they're alcohol-free, they're able to stay open later. So that's why we can have those hours. So is it for
0: University of Iowa students exclusively or is it anyone with just a state-issued ID?
1: It is for University of Iowa students exclusively. So then
0: what was the inspiration behind this program?
1: Why did it get started? How long has it been going on? Those kind of background basics. Uh, the inspiration was we, we've we all in the Ractivist group been trying to figure out prevention programs. What would be an effective prevention program that doesn't feel like it is victim blaming in any way that doesn't, that doesn't genderize assault too much, but yeah, it's something that just works for everyone. And so after, I mean, I, I have come up with a lot of pretty bad ideas in my, (laughs) opinion, and then, but this happened to be a good one. And so it's, I, I pitched it to the Ractamist group and then they were, have been, totally supportive of it and then unimpaired got on board really soon after so this was in this past february was when we got all this going and then in march we were able to get um, late night funding and then we did a pilot program in the spring um, for the last six weeks of classes and and it was it was very successful
3: yeah,
0: I always think that, like, you got to have a few bad ideas before you get to, like, the one gem that you needed, right? It's like the journey of getting there.
1: Yeah, I I had so many horrible gems. And so, yeah, so then, yeah, then there was the good one.
3: That's all you need? One. Awesome. Obviously, wanted to do this because of statistics surrounding sexual assault and injuries and things of that matter. So what are some statistics that you can give to us um, that motivated you to take action? Yeah,
1: so I'm just going to read off some some statistics lists that I have. Um, Each year among college students ages 18 to 24, 696,000 are assaulted by another student who has been drinking. 599,000 who are under the influence of alcohol are unintentionally injured. 22,219 are hospitalized for an alcohol overdose and 1,519 die from alcohol-related unintentional an- injuries. And then talking specifically about sexual assault among undergraduate students, 26.4% of females And 6.8% of males experience rape or sexual assault through physical force, violence, or incapacitation. And incapacitation, according to the campus sexual assault study from 2007, let's see, the typical assailant characteristics include 70% of assailants were drinking prior to the incident, and then victim characteristics. 89% were drinking prior to the incident and 82% were drunk prior to the incident. So, oh, and then the final one would be that these most often happened on Fridays and Saturdays between the hours, 90% of incapacitated sexual assault happened between midnight and 6 a.m. on Fridays and Saturdays. So that's a lot of
2: numbers.
0: No,
1: but it gives some good context. I mean, we're talking about a large
0: group of individuals who are impacted by this. And I think that that last part you just shared between the hours of 12 and 6, 90%. That's mm-hmm. a very compelling number yeah. to try to reduce by some sort of programming like Night Slice.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also <laughs> want to highlight their red zone here. So... So according to statistics from the Rape, Abuse, and Incense National Network, also known as as RAIN, over 50% of all college sexual assaults occur between the start of the fall semester and fall break, so around mid-November. And so this time period is referred to as the red zone. And during this time, students are particularly in a vulnerable position, especially freshmen, because they are often um away from their home for the first time. It's the first time they're navigating a new environment and in, in a, for an extended period of time. And there's also new campus culture that they're getting familiar with in terms of football games and fraternity and sorority recruitment. And also just like the socialized expectations of a college feels like it's supposed to be. And so it's navigating this unfamiliar terrain without an understanding of the resources and recording options that are available. So it leaves students particularly vulnerable. Wow, that's really interesting. So yeah, that first, I mean, that's
0: not even that a huge chunk of time. That's like a couple of months. Yeah. That, yeah, that's really interesting. So with Night Slice, have you seen or do you have any success stories you'd like to share or the number of students who have been involved, that sort of a thing, what impact it's had?
1: Yeah, we surveyed the students who took part in the pilot program. And and there were lots of really positive comments that were offered at the end of that survey. But one particular comparison I'd like to make is that between the two questions, before you got to unimpaired, this is the first question, before you got to unimpaired while you were out, did any of the following happen to you? Choose any, all that apply. So I was catcalled or verbally sexually abused. That ended up being around 13%. Someone groped or grinded on me without my consent. That was around 4%. Someone attempted to get me away from my friends. That was 4%. Someone refused to take no for an answer when I said I wasn't interested in being around them. That was 5%. Someone tried to or did coerce or force me to engage in sexual activity that I didn't want. That was also at 5%. All of those same questions were asked, while you were unimpaired, did any of the following happen to you? And it was zero across the board. And I thought that was pretty powerful.
0: Yeah, it shows that there's a safe space being created for sure
1: yeah ninety eight percent said they would like to see nice night slice continue. Do you know how many students participated in the in the spring pilot, there were two hundred and eighty seven students who participated, and then survey respondents we had sixty seven
2: okay, that's pretty good. Two hundred plus a lot of those students also participated multiple times, so there was a pretty large rate. I think it was about sixty eight percent of the students who responded said that they use Nightplace multiple times. Wow. wow. That's also
0: a testament to its beneficiality.
3: Yeah, yeah, for sure. In kind of thinking to this semester, like we piloted it, it's working, we can see the results. What are you guys seeing for results for this semester and the impact that it's making on or the number of people that it's impacting this semester. We don't have as much hard data
1: collected yet for this semester, but anecdotally from those who are working at unimpaired, they're, they're often running out of slices earlier and earlier. And they're having a lot of students come by just to hang out, just to. They have a lot of students who, you know, maybe they were out drinking, but then they come by, they play games with their friends. One night, the manager said that they were playing Twister and playing pool. And and then he also said a a couple of groups of young women came in and weren't even asking for pizza. They just said they wanted a safe place to wait for their rides. That's also good to hear.
0: And I think part of it is like as word spreads that it's like a fun environment to be in, regardless of whether you're trying to escape a situation or not. It just kind of ends up being like a way to round out your night that maybe de-escalates situations that could have happened otherwise.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what we were really hoping for was that it would just provide a place to go that... Where people didn't feel like they had to completely separate themselves from their friends and just go home, you know. But they could just, they could have a place where they could still be social, but it would be a safer environment.
0: Yeah. And I've definitely like waited for an Uber in some less than ideal situations. So I even think that's a really good benefit to have. Like a really easy place for someone to pick you up that you feel safe in until that happens. Exactly. Yeah. Also a good point for people to note. So how would you like to expand Night Slice in the future? Or Is there expansion or what's the future of the program?
1: We would, I mean, mostly, I don't know if this would be considered expansion, but just longevity, you know, we would really like to secure ongoing funding and then hopefully also some additional resources and personnel for Unimpaired, who is taken on a a, a huge task to do this with us.
3: So saying that you want to secure funding, have you had challenges so far trying to establish funding just in general, trying to establish this program as a program that stays in the community as we're seeing that it has a really big impact? Yeah, there have
1: been some challenges because we originally for the for the pilot program we received funding from late night programs through the university and but then late night programs really really wanted to turn their attention to only student based organizations um or student run organizations and activists is a hybrid organization and it's a department and um so that presented a problem and then also most most events whether you're applying through the campus activities board or through late night funding most events are a one-time thing or a once a year kind of thing and so proposing something that's ongoing I think the costs can be can seem really daunting because it's so much more that's definitely been a challenge
2: Yeah. Funding usually is the barrier. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I do actually want to highlight that um, some of the student groups that have stepped up to help us secure funding.
3: um,
2: We have been working with a few groups recently to fund a specific weekend of Night Slice. So for instance, the student advocates or Planned Parenthood have Ignite, Hold Policy Student Association, and also Women in Business. And so they have helped secure some funding and we're really grateful for them and we are we would love to work with more student organizations to help keep this going as well if you're out there
0: listening and you're part of student org and you want to uh sponsor a night (laughs) these are the ones you want to get in contact with this is kind of i guess a broader question but what support systems are in place for survivors of sexual assault at the university of iowa and how has this work helped to create a supportive environment for them?
2: Yeah, so the University of Iowa does work on different levels of prevention and advocacy efforts. So we do have, in terms of direct service advocacy, we have confidential services available through the university. So one of those organizations is the Rape Victim Advocacy Program. They are an organization working specifically with sexual assault survivors and for prevention efforts on campus. They are available 24-7. There's always an advocate available. And for students, if you actually look on the back of your student ID, their crisis number is available on the back of that. So if you ever find yourself or a friend in a position where you need someone to help process something that happened, you can reach out to that number and there will always be someone available. The Women's Resource and Action Center is also a confidential service and we help with navigating different experiences, including sexual assault, but also if you've experienced harassment or discrimination on campus, we can help navigate those resources and connect you to services as well. And UCS is also a confidential service on campus that can help with processing sexual assault. UCS is the university counseling services. We also work with other organizations such as the Johnson County Sexual Assault Response Team, which is also a 24 seven available. And they are a coalition of coalition of nurses sex who are specifically trained to work with sexual assault survivors as well as advocates. And they can help um, navigate the medical, um, for, the medical examination. Yeah. So in addition, so those are the confidential services on campus. In addition, we also work with prevention efforts. So we have a violence prevention team, which involves a couple of staff members from the Women's Resource and Action Center, as well as their rape victim advocacy program. They work together to provide education across campus, primarily to the fraternity and sorority students on campus, but also to any other student organizations or athletes, staff, different departments that are that want to receive that training, they're able to reach out for that. And they provide training regarding consent and healthy relationships and also teaching how to prevent sexual violence in your community, the stand that you can take. I think there is often a misconception that you have to do something big to prevent it. You have to, like, stand up and kind of get in the middle of a situation, and which usually escalates the problem and that's not the only way to prevent sexual assault on campus there are many ways that you can be helpful as a bystander to help de-escalate things and help people get out of problematic situations and so that is a lot of the education that they do on campus so we work with a lot of students they are the certified peer educators on campus and they help provide those trainings as well we work with a lot of different levels of efforts to try to make the university a much more safe and supportive environment. There's a lot of really great resources. I hope people are have their pen and paper out. Yeah, we have those resources as well on our Instagram. We just did a post recently. So if anyone wants to check that out, um, we list about, I think, seven or eight resources that can be really helpful during sexual what assault. Instagram page is that? It is... Rock
0: at UIWA. Thank you. and Rac is W R A C. Yes. Okay, I think we just have one more question, and that's how can individuals and the community get involved in
1: or support Night Slice going forward? Well, like we mentioned before, you know, if you're part of a student org, um, you can definitely sponsor a weekend through Late Night Funding. Um, you can also donate to the program. Uh, through a GoFundMe, which we have on the RAC website. Um, and if you would like to donate in a tax deductible way, you can donate to the program via the Women's Resource and Action Center and, and they can provide uh, a tax deductible receipt and then just generally volunteering for sexual assault awareness programs.
2: Yeah. Nina has mentioned the RACTivists a few times. So. I do want to highlight they are a volunteer group at RAC and the students decide it's students and community members and they all get together and decide projects that they are interested in making a change with on campus. So one of the main ones we have been focusing on for the last few years has been sexual assault awareness and that has been led to several conversations and policy changes that we're hoping to make as well as Night Slice, which we're very thankful for Nina for coming up with that. RBAP, the Rape right Victim Advocacy Program, also has volunteering available. If you're interested in either direct service or prevention efforts, you can reach out to both RBAP and the Women's Resource and Action Center and we can get you connected.
3: That's so awesome. Well, well I think you kind of explained a lot about how important it is to have these community efforts to shift away from a culture where, you know, sexual assault is okay or that is happening so commonly, especially with the statistics that you shared. So we definitely thank you for doing the work and the hard work that it takes to get a program like this implemented in a university. Um, Is there anything else that you would like to add surrounding Night Slice or the work that you're doing? I think so. Just gratitude for everyone who's helped keep the
1: program going and get it going and then keep the program going. That's been really amazing.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'll echo that. We have been very fortunate to work with a lot of really incredible people who are passionate about making a change on campus and making the community safer for everyone. And so, yeah, um, I'm really grateful to be a part of this community and we hope to be able to continue this work. Thank you so much for having us and letting us highlight this. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you both so much for being on and for spreading the awareness of the Night Slice program and all that it does for the students at the University of Iowa. Thank you to both Nina and Sumi for joining us today. This episode was hosted and written by Lauren Lavin and Jada McDonald and edited and produced by Lauren Lavin. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook. Our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Have a suggestion for our team? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode is brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.